Welcome everyone to the first installment of Tadros Talks with your host Michael Tadros, where we have candid, thought-provoking conversations, uh, ranging from a wide, you know, range of topics. Today I'm joined with my first guest, the man, the myth, the legend himself, George Wahba. To introduce George Wahba very quickly, guys, all I can say is George Wahba and I go way back to like I don't know this year, first year of university. Um, so I guess you could say I've known him for a very long time. No, I'm just playing. Um, but yeah, George Wahba, introduce yourself and uh, we'll begin. Uh, hi guys, how are you? My name is George Wahba, as introduced by our lovely host today. Uh, I am. I just finished my first year of engineering at McMaster University, same university that Michael goes to, and I'm going into computer engineering as my specialty. I'm very happy to be here. I'm very excited. It's actually really funny that you you talked about engineering because that was actually one of my first questions for you. So I want to make this some kind of like a Tyler Sox tradition where every guest um, I ask them, you know, about you know their academic life, their career, and how they like it. So I want to ask you, how do you find um, engineering at McMaster? Uh, I think I love it, to be honest. Personally, I uh, I think it definitely breaks the notion that, um, or it breaks the stigma of like engineering, you're doing everything by yourself, no one's there to help you, it's you versus the world. Um, they definitely really stress the idea of community at Engineering at McMaster with a lot of the courses that we take revolve around the idea of group work and teamwork. And they kind of really install the idea of um, like, you're never going to be doing work solo in your career as an engineer. So we might as well install these good practices of being able to work in a group now early into you. So when you get into your career and you get to those co-ops and internships, you'll be prepared to work in a team. So do you think that I've noticed this too, even in like, I'm, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm at McMaster as well for commerce. And I've noticed that they do stress, you know, group work a lot. And in all honesty, um, I think sometimes they don't stress individual work enough. Um, personally, I mean, I love group work. I love working with other people, but I feel like oftentimes there are, you know, projects that I just feel like we would all do better in if they were individual. So I, I want to, I want to hear your thoughts. Like, do you, do you feel that many of these post-secondary institutions, even in high school, do you think that group work is, is stressed too much? Do you think it's stressed the perfect amount? Like what are your thoughts? Uh, for me personally, considering that like the only Outside of the one specific course that I have that's for first year engineering, which is called Engineer 1P13, um, outside of that course, the only group work that I really engage in is, is in labs and courses like physics. So I think outside of the main like core course of engineering, like your maths, your physics, your chemistries, you're doing work alone. So I don't think it's terrible. Obviously, I can't speak on behalf of other programs, but I think there's a I think it's a fair balance, although sometimes you know, obviously group work is a double-edged sword and you can get, you know, anchored down by group mates who maybe aren't as engaged to do work. And so obviously that has its own, you know, wins and losses. But I think overall in engineering, at least, I think they do pretty well to uh, like balance out group work and individual work. Mm -hmm. I see, I see. Well, I mean, I don't want to expose, um, you know, your GPA because I, I know it's private, but I, I know you have a very, very, very respectable um, I'll just say hi, GPA. So, um, what is, I always want to ask you, what is the secret to success in engineering? Cause I know engineering is, is like in every, every university, it's known that it's very difficult to have a high GPA in engineering. It's just not like engineering, just not a place you go to, to have a high GPA. So what is, what is your, what is your secret sauce? If I may, um, I have to give a shout out right now to a good friend of mine, uh, Anthony, uh, Michael's also good friends with him. I think if you want to talk about... Are we talking about Anthony Italian? The man, yes, we are. The other the man, myth, legend? 
Yes. My personal engineering mentor, if I can go so far as to say that. He he's the one who actually has an incredible GPA. My GPA compares nothing to his. But um I think a lot of it is uh like the really cliche statement of time management. Mm-hmm. But it really does come down to that. Like I also played intramural sports at Mac for both first and second semester. So I definitely had my fair share of situations where I had to like sit down in the morning and really think like break down like hour by hour what my plans were for the day. But I think um, the notion that you're going to get overwhelmed in engineering at McMaster, at least, I think it's a bit false only because you will get overwhelmed if you let yourself get overwhelmed. However, if you go out of your way to try to get like, you know, your math assignment done maybe five days before it's due and so on and so forth, you will be fine. Um, It's just a matter of taking the initiative to get this stuff done early instead of waiting until like the day before or the night before to finish it. Don't mind to say it, man. You're just built different, man. You're just built different, man. man. Don't lie, man. I remember, I remember before that physics <laughs> final, man. You were, you were here playing hangman, and you know, you know, like taking a nap and while, while studying, man. Don't lie, man. You're just built different, man. There's nothing that we can do. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't say that. Don't say that. Everyone, everyone has the ability to uh, to kill it an edge. It's just a matter of how bad do you want it. You think everyone has the ability to kill it an edge? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. This isn't some kind of exclusive secret society or a gated community where only a select few, like some kind of like George Orwell, 1942 kind of, uh, kind of situation we're in. Everyone has the ability to do well in Eng. It's just a matter of uh, if you want it bad enough. Mm. But, but, but you, you would say though that like people have different like skill sets. So maybe somebody would sell more in, I don't know, um, English literature, or social science, humanities, and they were in engineering and other people would sell more in engineering than they would in social science, humanity or so on and so forth. Oh, no doubt. For sure. Of course. You know, everyone has their own niche that they do well in or else everyone will go into, you know, whatever job they know gets them the most money at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. university but, exists to, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say university exists to offer multiple different programs, multiple different courses in those programs mm-hmm. so that it covers every possible applicant that could want any specific interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. I, I, I agree to the extent. I feel like a lot of times, for example, in school, like uh, people, uh, they, like for example, in high school, for example, or even elementary school, people heard math and they would just, they would, they would tense up, you know what I mean? Math class, math mm-hmm. test, math exam, they would tense up. When in reality, I think people's like, mathematical ability is a lot higher than they, than they would like to think. I know a lot of people that they're like, they're, they're so math phobic, but I, I, I'm very convinced that if there wasn't that like mental block, if there wasn't that like, how do I say it, that um self-consciousness of like oh my god i'm not very good at math i can't do well in math i can't do one well physics can't do well in chem they would they would they would excel much more I, i've noticed that too i felt like whenever i come up coming in a course approaching it like oh my god everyone said financial accounting is such a hard class everyone said apply calculus is a hard class everyone said this class is hard this class is hard i i i i tend to do worse than i could have done just because i'm coming in with like a just a bad mindset when i i've noticed that when i come in the mindset that no, it doesn't matter if people say it's difficult or or if even if it is difficult, um, the mindset is that no, like I can I can be I can I can ace this class. I've I've noticed that that mindset mm-hmm. obviously a company with the right work ethic gets you gets you really far. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's a lot um I've told my friends this who are in grade twelve now and they want to apply thinking about engineering, for example. And the most common argument I hear against it is that George, I hate physics. And I tell them back, no, you don't hate physics. You hate the person who taught you physics. 
And I try to explain to them that if if I were to teach you physics compared to your teacher, not to put myself on some kind of like pedestal, but I promise you understanding it from certain people's perspectives will do you a lot better than just having this one narrow idea. I've seen multiple people who struggle with certain topics of physics and then I explain to them for under maybe 10 to 15 minutes and all of a sudden all the dominoes start to fall and it starts making sense to them. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of who's giving you this knowledge. Mm-hmm. I would go even further to say that it's not just about who taught you physics, but it's the way you were taught physics. I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of times I'm, I'm, I'm studying for a class and I'm putting so much effort in and I'm not getting the right result. I, I think like th- that I'm hoping for. And I feel like a lot of times different classes, especially university, the workload is significantly higher. That just study all day, study hard. is It's, it's, it's not a very efficient use of your time. It's important to understand what each class expects of you and to, to study smart. For example, um, I wouldn't say that this year was the like – the most hardworking year of my life. You know, I think, I think, I, I think that I could have studied hard. I could have studied less hard, um, and I think my grades were like they're respectable. I think my, I think I, my GPA is at a is at a solid place, but mm-hmm. I would say I think my GPA could have been higher, just simply due to the fact that, um, like I I think I think the 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 where my GPA just took you know a, like a a small drop, I'd say small, but we'll see a, a drop. Um, was that there was a class that it's an elective that I underestimated shout out earth science Uh, I don't know don't take that class guys if you're at McMaster University do not take that class man that class is (laughs) don't don't take that class I don't don't know why I took it I thought it was easy I thought it was a joke of a class it's a joke of a class not when your transcript comes out Um, but yeah and I I guess I I underestimated that class and like the the workload that should have went in and um I, I definitely, instead of bringing up my GPA, it brought it down. Um, so I'm saying is it's important to understand what each class expects of you because if I understood ahead of time that, you know, earth science required this effort and calculus actually required less effort than I thought. You know what I mean? Of course, mm-hmm. I had to study for calculus, but it, it wasn't to the extent that, like, I was, de- like, like I like I could have put less effort and still got the, the mark that I got in calculus and then use that time and effort and energy and allocate it to other classes. I feel like it's a it's a very important balance in university of, you know, knowing how much like time and like energy and, and all that to allocate all your classes. It's a very important skill that obviously we all have to like work on and develop, but it can take us really, really far. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree 100%. I could not, disagree, I cannot disagree with that statement at all. You may, you hit it right in the head actually. So George, I remember before you were talking, you and I were talking about how you're, before we want to do electrical engineering next year, then you said software and now you're going to do computer. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like walk us through your, your, your thought process of why you want electrical in the pep before that you said software, then you said computer. Okay. Uh, so this kind of stems back to when I applied to universities, you know, shout out OUAC, a great website, love the application process, totally not confusing. Um, and so I applied to Waterloo um, engineering and I got accepted to um, mechanical engineering at Waterloo. And so at that time I was, um, I was kind of convinced that, you know what, like Waterloo, I'll, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to like mechanical engineering. That was my biggest fear at the time, basically. And I was worried that I might hate it. And although Waterloo is a great university, like there's no point in me going there if I'm going to hate the program that I'm in. So instead, I went to McMaster and I'm grateful that I did now looking back on it in hindsight. And so um. I went in and I was pretty set on electrical engineering at the time because I had a lot of friends who, you know, kind of talked up electrical engineering and said it was great and, you know, I was going to like it and I should go into it, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'll be that, I'll be it, it's true that I do it, like the idea of electrical engineering. I kind of fell in love with coding and the idea of, you know, software and programming about maybe about like the last quarter of second semester. So just about at the time where I had to apply it and like submit my application for what specialty I wanted. And so um, I submitted my application. I submitted my request for software as my number one choice. I had free choice at the time. Shout out free choice. Great. I love it actually. Lifesaver for anyone who is questioning. So before, we, before we continue, can you explain to some of our maybe non-Mac or even Mac viewers what free choice is and how you get it and so on and so forth? Okay, yeah, for sure. So basically free choice is... Well, the idea is that you apply for your stream that you want, specialize in second year at McMaster. And so obviously there aren't, you know, 1,200 seats for software engineering or 1,200 seats for computer engineering. It's broken down into, you pick your number one choice. And if your GPA is high enough, because you're competing against the rest of your classmates, if your GPA is high enough, you'll get that choice. And then if you don't get that choice because your GPA doesn't make the cut, you go down to the second option you have. And you obviously give a list of 12. Basically what free choice does is, Based on your high school average in grade 12, going into Mac, if it meets a certain threshold that changes every year, it fluctuates, you're offered free choice. It basically means as long as you get a 60 average, like a, t- a 60 total average GPA in at Mac for your first year, you can pick whatever specialty you want and you'll be given it regardless of if someone has a better GPA than you or not. And so basically I was given that. And I believe a sixty um, percent like average GPA is like that's like a that's like a passing GPA, right? Because is it because I, I know for example commerce to to continue moving forth the program you have to have a sixty three average every year. So is it sixty for engineering, or you can have a below sixty and still I, you, move, I think, up, move up? You can have below sixty, um, but a sixty okay. for McMaster scale. For anyone who's wondering, it's around a, it's a four, actually. On a top on a top point scale, on top yes, scale, on a 12, not not four on the yeah, four point yeah, scale. No, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is obviously like, I haven't heard of anyone who's lost their free choice because a four is pretty attainable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's uh, definitely a lifesaver, although it's pretty controversial at times because, you know, you know, some people who mm-hmm. definitely deserve to get into their specialty, but might not because mm-hmm. they just didn't have free choice and everyone who had free choice just applied to that specialty. That usually happens with specialties like software and computer engineering. Mm-hmm. So you're saying you fell in love with um, software, but then... If you have free choice, then why computer? So I realized there's a really, there's a big, um, I guess not, there's a bit of a catch when it comes to going to software engineering. And the catch is that I can teach myself how to code and be better than some people who have software engineering degrees. And I can replace them mm-hmm. because certain like workplaces have dropped their necessity for a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. And if that's you know true. how to code, that's all they care about. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> The thought that I had to myself, like this actually happened maybe three weeks ago, was what am I doing risking job security? Obviously, that's a pretty, like, pretty dramatic way to look at it, but that is the reality of it. And going to software where someone can replace me really easily, where I can go into a computer where I'm learning computer engineering skills that are, you, you can't just Google them or YouTube video them. Mm-hmm. You actually have to go through post-secondary education to learn how to be a computer engineer. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's what made me switch. And then I obviously, instead of just going back to electrical, I went to computer because they have more, it's more coding oriented than electrical is. So I still got to do the things that I was interested in, like coding. I see, I see. 
Mm, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I, there's definitely there's definitely a time where, um, like, to, to to have any chance in the workplace, you needed a bachelor's degree. But I think a lot of companies now, like, they they're they're very flexible. They they would say bachelor's degree preferred, or even some even like even Tesla. I believe they have no preference for uh, university education. Um, and and Tesla isn't just some run of the mill. You know, like whatever company Tesla is a very is a very respectable um, employer that you know hires top-notch engineers or slash people with engineering skills if that makes any sense mm-hmm. but yeah i know what you mean mm, okay so the next question i want to ask you or the next conversation i want to lead us into is uh i already talked about this briefly but i, I want to save it for our podcast um texas united states of america texas oh mm-hmm. wow. all i'm gonna say is if anyone listening in Texas has a, a very, very, very special place in my heart for many, many reasons. Um, so for me, I'm going to start off by saying the reason that I would, I want to Texas um, permanently forever and never come back is um, the, how strong the economy there is, is there and how healthy it is, like how, how, how booming the job market is in almost all sectors, especially in engineering. So mm-hmm. that's why George is on the call with us. Mm-hmm. Um, the very low cost of living, the fact that there's no income, no no state income tax, the fact that there's housing there is much much more affordable. For example, the median home um, in in a, in, a, in a city like San Antonio is two hundred forty thousand, uh, two hundred forty three thousand dollars. That is wild. You, I don't think you can even buy, like. Uh, I don't think anything. you can afford a garage in Toronto. I, I don't not even not even a garage, man. Not even. Like that is ridiculous. I mean, I think in 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 Toronto, in the GTA slash Ontario, I believe, um, I think the average uh, household, sorry, the average the average house um, value is just past one million dollars, right? So the average, so the average cost of a house in the GTA is is around one point one million. So one point million versus two hundred forty three k. That's a it's a very big difference. And also, for example. Texas has great schools, so both post secondary and secondary elementary. Texas is like it's a big state, and so the bigger the state, usually the more fun they can go to education. And the weather is amazing. Um, every, people people assume that you know Texas is like this you know, redneck and you know like this mm-hmm. like this this very toxic weird culture state, but Texas is very diverse. Texas is not not how it was a hundred two hundred years ago. Texas is very Texas is booming in, in, you know, in culture. And there, there are many reasons why I, like, I want to move to Texas. Um, and so, inshallah, you know, uh, one day I'm going to get my degrees and I'm going to head over there and I'm going to, like, and I'm, I'm never coming back because Texas is where to go for me. But, George, what are your thoughts? Um, no, absolutely couldn't agree more. I'm definitely, um, and thank God that, you know, the engineering sector is booming there because I can definitely, the whole idea that, like, oh, George, you want to go to Texas, but, like, like, can you find a job there? And I think the, the greatest, the beauty of engineering is that it's not like, for example, medicine or dentistry or pharmacy. We have to like do your boards and recertify depending on what country you go to and what country you got your education from. The Canadian engineering degree is, the Canadian engineering degree is no, is like recognized in the States. There's no, like, I might have to do one test that, you know, separates like the Texan engineering certifi- certification compared to like the Ontario one. But that's just about it. Everything else, it's a smooth transition into Texas. Jobs are booming there. Mm-hmm. It has a famous nickname that's actually been attributed to called Texas. 
because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of how well the tech sector is booming in Texas, and it's not wrong. There's definitely um, lots of opportunity for jobs, not only for engineering, but multitude of jobs there. Um, and piggybacking off your, um, of what you commented about people having this notion that Texas is all redneck and like hyper right. And like, if I go there and I'm not white, I'm going to get shot. That's like, yeah. I've definitely, I've heard those arguments. These aren't like, I'm not pulling these things out of thin air. These are arguments yeah, that I've yeah, heard. Same, same. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I feel like people fail to understand that this isn't um, like, you're not going into Texas or this is, this argument is oddly similar to the idea of like, you know, me being Egyptian, I've met a person and I talked to them, tell them an Egyptian, and they're like, "Oh wow, isn't it all just like camels and like pyramids and yeah. sand?" <laughs> you guys live in the pyramids, and you ride you ride like, camels to school. No, we're civilized. Like Texas isn't all just like gunslingers, and you know, um, I get to school on a horse. It's not wild wild west anymore. Like yeah. they're very civilized, and like for like state like for areas like Austin and Houston and Dallas, mm-hmm. where you have huge industries of engineering technology mm-hmm. booming. Mm-hmm while still maintaining a very reasonable housing market, mm. it's hard to say no to an offer like that. Honestly. And it's not just that. I mean, especially for you, George. Um, for me, it's a little bit different because I, I want to go to law school, if you guys aren't aware. And so it, where I get my law degree from really does dictate where I can work. For example, if I get a law degree in, in Canada, like it's, 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 it's going to be much more advantageous that I stay in Canada. If I, get, if I get my law degree in the U.S., it's gonna be much more advantageous that I stay in the U.S. But it's not the same. It's different for you, George. Like you can, if anything, it's advantageous for you to find the best school and the best degree, and you can go anywhere. And especially in Texas, of like the you know all the oil fields and like there are a lot of opportunities there for for engineering jobs. And it's like mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty sure Texas is like the, I mean, excluding Silicon Valley, but I think Texas is like the like the the engineering capital of the U.S. I believe. Mm-hmm. No, it is. And so it's not just that, like, the whole idea that, like, oh, like, it won't be good to live there. Like, no, you will enjoy your life there. Like, you have a very strong and booming and passionate sports culture there. You know, Houston alone has five professional sports teams. You know, if you're into basketball, you have the San Antonio Spurs, the uh, like the Houston Rockets. You have a lot of teams and, like, the Dallas Mavericks. You have, like, there is, there is some, there's a place for you to enjoy sports. Like, it's also not just, like, you know, obviously moving away from the education side. The culture in Texas is also very hospitable. Like, it's, it isn't rednecks. Mm-hmm. It isn't hostile against people of culture. It isn't hostile towards immigrants. Mm-hmm. The idea that it's a Republican-dominant state does not mean it's a racist-dominant state. Like, I don't understand where these notions come from. And it's important to stress these ideas that this isn't the 1940s anymore. Mm-hmm. Texas culture has developed, and the diversity is beautiful mm-hmm. there. And it's mm-hmm. such a healthy place to live. Well, of course, it's, it's a generalization, just like, you know, generalization that, you know, Canadians drink maple syrup every day. Like, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've never drank maple syrup. Like, I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know anyone who wakes <laughs> Neither up. Neither have I. Neither have I. You know, just chugs maple syrup. But I promise you guys, for all my friends here who are, who are not from, for not from Canada, I promise you guys, we don't do, we don't do, we've, nobody has ever done that. Ever. It's never happened. Um, but yeah, also for any of my Canadian friends who are concerned about healthcare, um, I know, obviously, in the you know in the U.S., healthcare is is privatized, not socialized. But if healthcare is something that really does matter to you, just so you guys know, Houston has the highest quality healthcare in the entire country. Actually, probably in North America too. Um, Houston's actually known. Houston specifically is known to have you know, the best hospitals in the country. Even people, even people in Canada, when they when they need surgeries that are done by the best professionals at the fastest time, Houston is always the way to go. Houston is. Um, like like I said, the healthcare capital of North America, 
in the sense that I, I would say Houston, and many people agree with me that Houston has the highest quality healthcare in in, in the U.S. by far, and probably North America as well. So like like I, like I'm you know like I, like we've said, guys, Texas is definitely the way to go. And for any of my my Coptics on listening in, the amount of Coptic Orthodox churches in Texas it's wild. It's like oh yeah, definitely. It is it is so many, man. It is like I I I, I think at this point it, it's very possible that. You know, there are more Coptics in Texas than the motherland, you know, itself. But, like, <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy, guys. George, any thoughts? Um, no, definitely. And, obviously, you know, it's important to know that, like, do your research ahead of time and figure out, like, especially if you are an immigrant, you want to know, like, are is Texas somewhere that I'm moving to? Or is that area in Texas that I'm moving to? Do I have people of my ethnicity there? Will I be able to relate to people who live there? Obviously, you know, it shouldn't be the focal point, but it's definitely an important point to consider, you know having a lot of Coptic in the area where you're moving to is great. You know, you want to, uh, obviously I hope to have children when I get older. It's good to raise them in a Coptic community and it's good to raise them in the church. So I think that's something that's definitely important to consider. And guys, it's not, it's not just us. Like it's Elon Musk believe, feels the same way. He's moved many of his facilities over Texas. Joe Rogan was, had his, you know, his, his, um, his, his podcast set up. Shout out to my guy, Joe Rogan. <laughs> he had his podcast set up in California and he moved over to Texas. Like there are a lot of people that are, that are on the Texas wave and, and, you know, like for, for good reason, Texas is, I would say Texas is definitely the way to go. And it's, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy how you see a house that's like one and a half million dollars, like $1 million in Texas. And like, how big the property is, how big the house is, how beautiful it is, how quiet the neighborhood is, and you're thinking to yourself, like, you can get that for a million, even if we can, even if we were to adjust for the, the difference in uh, like currency between the Canadian dollar and the American dollar, Texas, like, Texas housing is still an absolute steal. Like a million dollar in, in Dallas can get can take you so 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 far. It's it's wild how crazy like how affordable housing is there and like most many of us Canadians were, were like especially you know our age you know me and George were born we're born two thousand three so I guess mm-hmm. we were so eighteen so probably I guess five to ten years from now until we're you know considering buying houses but like many of us are asking ourselves are we gonna able to be be ever to afford a house but in, in Texas that's not like that's not a concern if you have you know a, a solid steady income it's very affordable to buy a house there and. And, and if you have even a, like a, an even remotely high income, you can buy a very, very big house there. Like it's, it's, it's wild how, you know, how, 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 how much like bank for your buck you can get for a million, two million. Uh, nowadays you can like, you know, like a half bedroom apartment, you know, it was like, you know, like, like $3 million downtown Toronto, $4 million, $5 million. Like it's, it's wild. And then you look at these apartments, man, you're like 3 million for this. Like that's, that's that's as big as my basement. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I can agree more. And I feel like something else that should be stressed that I don't think I've mentioned we've mentioned yet is how good the weather is in Texas. Yes, the weather. Oh my god! Like the weather's Toronto man. You can all retire your Canada goose jackets. You can retire your moose knuckle jackets. You will not need yes. them if you go to Texas. And you just you just won't need to buy them again. Just just you'll never wear them ever. There's no need. Like there, it's it's such. It's such a good climate. I cannot, like, and I know there's the whole thing about, you know, it was snowing in Texas a couple of years back and a lot of houses were destroyed. But that is such a, like, one, I don't know if you heard about that, Michael, did you? I heard about that, I heard about I heard about that. But my response is, it snowed one time. It, it's snowing every other day. It's snowing every other Tuesday here, man. Like, I'm pretty sure a couple of years ago, it's it was snowing in, in May or April. Like, I remember, like, like, 
there's just no comparison. There's no comparison. It, it's not like these are one-off. Obviously, it was devastating what happened, but like these are such one-off, like uncommon occurrences that if you were to allow them to develop your whole idea on it, you're setting yourself up for failure in the first place. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, like I'm telling you guys, Texas, everything's bigger in Texas. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like I'm telling you guys, even the houses are bigger in Texas. Like I'm telling you guys, it's it's true, man. It's Texas. It's the way to go. It's the way to go. And guys, like I, I mean, to be honest, I know a lot of tournaments listening in. They're they're not feeling the whole Texas thing just because they they want to rock their moose like their their moose knuckles jacket. They want to rock their Canada goose. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I because I, I know people, man. They they get excited for winter just to just to just to flex uh, the drip. You know they, what I mean? they can bring the puffers out again. Can, but that's what I'm saying. Honestly, man, just you, you just I. Nobody's stopping you, man. Just come to Texas and, and rock the Canada Goose. Like, I mean, it might be a little bit hot. It might be a little bit sweaty. It might be a little bit slimy. But, but you do you, man. We don't judge, you know. Uh, I mean, take if you really want, take a trip to, like, you know, Detroit, Michigan, um, Chicago, NYC. And you can, you can rock your jackets there. But uh, I'm telling you guys, Texas is the way to go. But speaking of Texas, George, are you caught up on the NBA playoffs? Yeah, I am. I am. Awesome. That is the next thing I wanted to... Did you say transition there, man? Yeah, it was good. Oh, that was smooth. It's all, it's all part of the plan. Man. Dallas happens to be in Texas. Dallas is currently in the playoffs. Wow. Yes. That yes. Perfectly. Speaking of Texas, so tell me your thoughts on Luke Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, geez. Uh, I think I think the way uh, Steve Kerr is scheming to guard Luka is, is good. I'm not surprised that Andrew Wiggins is the one who's going to guard him. He's probably the only one where he can leave, you can leave Andrew Wiggins in isolation play against Luca, and he could avoid a basket happening. Um, the way Draymond Green is such a floor general on defense and plays such incredible help D, and his IQ is so good that there's no you're you're kind of hind you're kind of hurting yourself actually if you're putting Draymond Green on Luca alone mm-hmm. because the help defense that Draymond Green offers is much more valuable. Mm-hmm. When you have him off Luca and letting him help onto Luca, then you would if you just had Draymond Green on Luca, because there's always obviously the opportunity of Luca beating Draymond off the dribble, mm-hmm. and in that case, no one's going to be a good enough help defender to stop Luca. Mm-hmm. No, I I couldn't agree more. I think, I think, I think Luca's a very like, uh, Luca's a very 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 skilled like offensive player, and it, and it's not even it's not even his athleticism. It's his IQ. It's his uh, mm-hmm. it's his it's how under pressure he elevates his game. He doesn't you know fold like many other players. Like you know, shout out to my boy James Harden, man. Chris uh, Paul. And- <laughs> Chris Paul. <laughs> wow, sorry. Did I? <laughs> no, no. We have we have to we have to go easy on Chris Paul because I think the problem with Chris Paul it's not even that he's not clutch. I think Chris Paul is just it's just not meant to be, man. It's just not meant to be. It's game not, it's seven. Not- greatest disappearing not, act I have seen in my I know but life. I just don't think it's meant to be I think even when Chris Paul elevates his game in, 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 in high leverage games I think it's just not meant to be man he's just not gonna get a ring man it's it's sad he's been to an NBA finals last year man it's, it's as good as it gets you mean I don't, tell I just, me that Chris Paul and Devin Booker two MVP candidates for this season combined for a grand total of three points in the first half of game seven no they choked they choked they choked there's no there's no doubt about it they, they choked they choked very badly but 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 let it be said. I still think that Chris Paul is a is a great player. I think I think even excluding that, like he's still good in the clutch. I just think that he just had a very very bad game, excluding that game and maybe a couple others. He's generally a good clutch player. 
but I just don't think he's meant to be like I just I don't know what I don't know like I just don't think it's it's God's plan like I don't know what to say man I just don't I don't see Chris Paul like he's getting really he's like 37 now or something he's right? 37 yeah he's getting really old I just don't I do not see Chris Paul winning a ring anytime soon well not anytime like anytime soon because he's retiring so like and there's in a couple of years he's gonna be out of the league like max um so yeah, but, but what are your truth. so tell me tell me your thoughts about the golden state Warriors. so we just had they just had a game one and dallas uh, you know edged i want to say edged they they won by you know a, a decent margin yeah, yeah. Um, over uh over golden state so you mean Golden State beat Dallas? Sorry, 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 sorry. Golden State, Golden State beat, beat, beat Dallas. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. Um, I think it was. Uh, I think it's just a matter of how much can the rest of the Mavericks step up to help Luca. I think it's a matter of um, will Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie step up to the plate when they need to? Because obviously, Luca Magic is a whole other ball game. But it's gonna if Spencer Dinwiddie and Brunson don't step up, it's gonna turn into Luca versus the entire Warriors cast. And this isn't the Suns. This isn't Denver here performing a disappearing act and not being able to shoot a basketball. This is Clay Thompson, one of the greatest, one of the best shooters of all time. Steph Curry, one of the best shooters of all time. Jordan Poole turning into an, an elite scorer. These are players, and Steve Kerr is a genius of a coach. He is so good at scheming. Absolutely, absolutely. I think sometimes he gets more credit than he deserves because of his the, the, the roster that he has is just so mm-hmm. top tier, and so a lot of people so so because of that other people like to diminish his coaching ability. But let it be like like hands down, Steve Kerr is 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 uh, is, is is one of probably the the greatest coaches in of his era of the twenty you know twenty tens maybe I guess twenty twenties now. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think. I think him and a couple other names. I think like he's going obviously pop, but you know pops a little bit out of his prime. You know he's mm-hmm. he's getting a little bit old. But I think Steve Kerr doesn't get enough credit like um, as as a coach. I think I think yeah he has a great team, but coaching coaching it's such a big part of the game. And that I I, I don't I don't I don't I don't like I don't think the Golden State Warriors would have you know achieved the same level of success without Steve Kerr and his I, I would even say genius coaching. Hmm. I think um, a key point to remember is that no team knows what to expect out of Golden State in a game one of a series. So obviously the Mavs, by like roster value, are at a disadvantage. No one's denying that. Mm-hmm. But they also need to feel out Golden State and figure out what to do against them. Mm-hmm. Like you saw what happened. I don't know if you're following the Heat Celtics series right now. Mm-hmm. No, so yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna get to that in a couple minutes. But Heat yeah. smoked the Celtics game one. Mm-hmm. The Heat beat the Celtics out of yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Celtics came back with Marcus Smart. Yo, bless that man's soul. And smacked them right back. Like, it was insane. So don't ever let someone tell you that game one is going to dictate how a series goes. Dallas can very well, you know, push back, make it a seven-game series. And there's no reason why Dallas can't. Obviously, don't let any game don't let any game dictate where the series goes. Remember yeah, yeah. Guys, Cavs were down 3-1 and they came back. Yeah. yeah like, it's it happens, man. It happens. But yeah, sorry, continue. It's just, and I feel like I obviously going to circle back to the Phoenix series, but when you have a pure scorer like Devin Booker getting outscored by Luka and mm-hmm. one of the greatest, top, at least mm-hmm. definitely top five point guards of all time, Chris Paul, mm-hmm. Luka had more assists than him in the series. Mm-hmm. Luka out-rebounded DeAndre Ayton in the series. Mm-hmm. And Luka got more steals than Mikhail Bridges in the series, a defensive player of the year candidate. Mm-hmm. Luka is 
leagues ahead of what anyone can imagine. And now it's See, just a question of... I would disagree. Of, really? I, I'll tell you why I would disagree. Okay. I would disagree because Luke is a unique player in the sense that I think like Luke is... Look his shooting percentage, his three point shooting percentage, his his free throw shooting percentage, his his field goal shooting percentage. It's it's not that impressive. But the thing about Luca is, the reason that he's getting all this hype is that Luca elevates his game significantly when it matters the most. Mm-hmm. Like even look at a couple years ago in the bubble, man. Luca, even even on on horrible days where where he's, he was playing bad all game, he's he's a killer. Like he still had the confidence to take shot in the clutch and not withdraw away and pass the ball like many other players do on, on their off day. Like, I don't know if you guys remember that buzzer beater. What was it? What team was it against in the, in the bubble? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Um, uh, what team? What so, team against uh, two? Uh, Mavericks against... Celtics? Uh, like Ma- was it Celtics? Celtics. Oh, no, Clippers. Uh, no, it was it was the... Are you talking about the Grizzlies? It was Mavericks-Grizzlies against... Uh, if, was it Luka that shot it? Yes. I, th- I think it was I think it was Clippers. It was Clippers. Yeah, it was yeah, Clippers. I- yeah, yeah. So I'm saying that game. Luca did not have a good game. Like he was he he was missing. He missed I think four threes right before that, like in a row. Uh, I, I believe so. Like and, and so the the thing that the reason that game is memorable is not because Luca dropped fifty or forty or even like 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 nothing like that. The reason that game is memorable is because even with a bad game, Luca Luca like he he came up clutch where it really mattered. Problem is a lot of other players they don't get the same respect as Luca because they don't do that. Like like shout out to James Harden and many other players, Ben Simmons and many other players like that. They're great players in the regular season, and you know they can really get win you some regular season games. But when it, when when it really matters, when it really really matters, they they don't deliver, and that's what makes Luca special. Is that I think his like his 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 raw like his 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 numbers his stats they're not that crazy, but it's like when it really matters most, he fought he he delivers. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That that's what I think is super special about Luca, and and that's why he I think he deserves all the praise. But that's why I'm I'm saying he he gets that praise. I think what we need to start talking about right now is Kevon Looney or mm-hmm. Kevon Abdul-Jabbar. I don't think anyone could have seen the masterclass. This guy, the thing is, these th- the things that he's doing, it's not always showing up on the scoreboard, but like you're going to feel his presence in every way. He is so good at knowing his role. And I think one of the biggest takeaways is that the Warriors role players simply outplayed the Mavericks role players. Mm-hmm. Kevon Looney was dominant. Mm-hmm. His, his comp, his, him and Clay Thompson combining on a couple of those assists was in, like insane to me. And obviously, like Jordan Poole stepping up, Andrew Wiggins stepping up. Mm-hmm. We they the Mavericks needed you know Brunson, Dinwiddie, Kleber. They needed them step up. They did not in the situation. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the gap really showed itself. When the role players were compared, mm-hmm. no, I, I I agree. But to be fair, though, I I think like the Golden State Warriors are a very experienced team. Like 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 mm-hmm. there there like there isn't there is no more team in the league that has more experience. There's no more roster that has more championship experience than the Golden State Warriors. No other team. So mm-hmm. I, I and 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 Looney was part of part of that. You know the multiple championship runs and so on. Mm-hmm. So I I think and and. Remember, they have the same coach. They have the same, almost the same starting lineup, right? Like the the core of the team, right? So the 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 Splash Brothers and and Draymond, they're still there. Mm-hmm. And they brought Andre 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 Agudala back, no? 
They brought uh, him back recently. I think he's out. I think he's out right now. But yeah, he's, he's out. But, he, but he's but he's on the roster. He's yes, on the yes, roster. Yes. So so I'm saying is there that core championship team, that team that is the seven three and nine team, the the three the three rings team, that that dynasty team, like it's still there. It's still it's still the remains of that team, but it's it's still deep down somewhere. And that's why I think the Golden State Warriors have a very good chance of not only making it to the finals, but maybe even winning it again. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's because like they just they just they have so much experience that as good as the Dallas Mavericks are, they don't have that much playoff experience. They they uh, you know they've been a they've been a couple they've been multiple first round exits, mm-hmm. and same with Miami and Boston. You know they've 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 had many deep playoff runs. Even Miami you know made it to the finals a couple of years ago, two years ago. Yeah, uh, I just don't think none of the teams they they their playoff experience matches that of the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and I think that's gonna really it's gonna really like it's gonna really prove um, just how good the Golden State Warriors are. It's because they have so much experience. They just they've they've been there. They've done it multiple times. And I think um, really, it got really shown in the Grizzlies series where you know John Morant was talking his thing, Dylan Brooks was doing his thing. Everyone was just everyone kind of forgot who the Warriors were in that Grizzlies series, and you know the Grizzlies started feeling too confident and like. There was claims that like Dylan Brooks started calling the Grizzlies a dynasty, and you just can't like you you can't say the Grizzlies are a dynasty, and you especially can't say that to the face of a Warriors player. You just can't. You can't call a team a dynasty when they never won a ring, um, never been to the finals, uh, like ha- like not even to the conference finals. So what 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 dynasty are we talking about? Like, I think I, I think that was a joke. I think like there's I can't I can't take that seriously. Like there's I think it's. I hope it was sarcastic, but like I hope it was sarcastic. But like knowing Dylan Brooks, he probably did mean it. He's not exactly one not, to not, a joke not around the, with his Not team. the sharpest tool? Not the no, sharpest definitely. Tool. I think he's, uh, especially with the Gary, especially with the injury on Gary Payton, I don't think it was definitely his brightest move. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, you did mention experience, and it's good that you mentioned it. The only true experience that the Mavericks have is Luka. And it's not even NBA experience. It's yeah. EuroLeague experience. No, it's basketball experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he has lived through basketball since he was like 16 in the pros. Yeah, yeah. And well, so well, they all have lived through basketball. I'm saying is Luca has been a, a basketball professional since yeah. the age of 16. He's been playing professional since the age of 16. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he knows, obviously, obviously nothing, nothing compares to the NBA in terms of playoff competitiveness or scheming. Mm-hmm. But he at least knows a thing or two about what it means to take a team to a championship, mm-hmm. what it means to be to be an MVP. So and like he said it himself, it's easier to score in the NBA than it is in the Euro League. Mm-hmm. And he never said that it was because of a lack of talent in the NBA, but he said the rules were different. Mm-hmm. So he, so now you have all these blockades that stop Luka from dropping thirty in the Euro League, and now you removed all of them. Like you added the paint rule, where like players like Rudy Gobert just can't live in the paint for you know mm-hmm. whatever long they want, or Clint Capella, they have mm-hmm. to move out of the paint. And it's so, a little bit tighter in the, in the Euro League. Like it, oh, hundred percent. It's a smaller a court. Yeah, yeah. It's a smaller court by default. The defense will be tighter. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Luca walking into an NBA court, everything is spaced out now. Players, there's more moving pieces. You can't live in the paint anymore. Mm-hmm. So now you've opened up a whole new world for this guy to dominate. Mm-hmm. And so you see it in the playoffs now. This isn't, like, it, it's obviously, you know, he's dropped, he has the highest points per game in the playoffs of any performer, which is nuts to me. Mm-hmm. But you can understand why that is. He's played in tighter quarters, in tighter, like, areas, and has dominated. So why wouldn't he dominate when the space is open to him now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I I agree, I agree, but I I wanna I wanna direct your attention away away from the current um, 
contending teams in the playoffs, but but tell us about teams that were are not are no longer in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Thoughts on or not or teams that didn't make the playoffs. Thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers and oh the my days, okay, and and not just them, but the Los Angeles Clippers too. Because remember, I remember two and a half years ago, everyone was talking about oh you know the the championship contenders are the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Nets. And it's going to be one of them three. And let me tell you, all three teams have, maybe, ex- no, no, excluding the Lakers since 2020, but since 2020, all three teams have, in the past years, accomplished nothing. They've, 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 they've been choking, man. They've been ch- so what are your thoughts? Um, okay, starting with the Clippers, it's probably the shortest one to explain. You're, Paul George came back for, you know, a little bit of the end of the, of the season, did phenomenal, back in this group, love to see that, I'm happy for him. Kawhi Leonard still a wall. Obviously, there's been reports of him load manage like with load management, which isn't a good look for him because no one likes that, especially when it comes to playoffs. Mm-hmm. But all we know is that the Clippers are going to be fully healthy for next year and next season, and then we can make our actual judgments. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, look, both of, both of the star players on the Clippers are they're very injury prone. I mean, Kawhi way more than PG, but even PG to a large extent. So mm-hmm. every year they're saying they're going to be healthy next year, but every year yeah, just, like, just, like Embiid, just like Joel Embiid, just like Joel Embiid, every year they get injured, and so they, they it's just so it's just so difficult to, to get things done because they lo- they load manage and they still get injured and they're out for a year and they're out for another year and and it's very difficult to build like. Championship opportunities are already so so slim. It's 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 a very, like it's it's really difficult to win a championship in the NBA. So imagine that difficulty, on top of that with, a, you know, a roster that can't even remain together. You know what I mean? I see what you mean. Yeah. So um, the Brooklyn Nets and the Lakers. The Nets, I have no idea. That one completely yeah. beyond me. I don't know what to make of that. To be honest, there's yeah, just ah. Uh, if someone's if they're offering Kyrie a max next year, um, the whole I think Nike, I know. The, the Nike Nike. Did you hear about Nike deciding not to uh, continue their shoe collaboration with Kyrie? Yeah, I heard. No, honestly, I don't blame them. This guy remember remember about a year ago or so they they dropped a shoe and then he went on Twitter tell, telling everybody, "Don't buy my shoe. Don't buy a Nike shoe, guys. Do not buy the shoe. I did not design the shoe." Uh, you know, uh, the shoe is not what I wanted, and they dropped it like, without my without my, you know, consent or permission or whatever, like totally embarrassing the, 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 the Nike, you know, you know, like, like, like uh, a corporate office up, up yeah. there. Yeah. Like, which is, listen, man, that, that's so unwise. Like you, we, we had dumb stuff like that from Kyrie for a long time since he's been in the league. He's been doing all this dumb stuff, but like Kyrie's man, he's in his early thirties now. He's a, he's a, like, he's been a man, but now he's like, a, he's an old, like he's bro, he's, he's old. He's, he's, he's in his 30s, and, like, to be in your 30s, man, and pulling all these weird stunts, man, like, it's it's embarrassing. Like, like there needs to be a level of maturity coming from him that I don't talk to pawns, that, oh, you know, uh, we're going to do collaborative coaching, you know. my my Myself and KD and I and um, and Steve Nash, we're all going to coach together. You know, we're all, we're all coaches. Like, no, no, you're not. No, no, Steve Nash is the coach. You're the player, bro. There's no there's other around it. Like, yeah. That's it. You know, or the oh, this is the first time I felt like I can really trust other person with 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 the, with the ball. Like, so who is LeBron? Who is he? Just yeah, a bum? LeBron, just, just a bum. He's, he's nobody, right? The guy, the probably second greatest player of all time. He just he's a nobody, right? Like, like like it's just he does it like like he. he, he it's just it's he, need, that level he needs of to immaturity. act his age. He needs to exactly, act his age. exactly. That level of immaturity, we 
when he was coming right out of you know Duke just as a kid, we understood you know the flat Earth stuff. Like we we got that. Like he was he was still a young kid, but he's not a kid anymore. Like he's 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 in his thirties, man. Like he's he's a full fledged adult, and all this like. All this, I don't want to play because, you know, I want to represent the people who lost their jobs during during COVID by losing my job. And then, okay, fine, so you're going to represent them and speak up. Say what you think. No, I'm not going to speak to the media. So I'm going to speak up by not speaking up. Like, like bro, like, he's just, like, I think, I think, like, I think Kyrie Irving, man, is a, is a phenomenal player. He's, he's like, a sensational to watch, man. He's, I think he's probably got the best handles in the league and probably some of the best handles of all, handles of all time. He's, like, mm-hmm. He's how ambidextrous he is, how he can get to the basket, man. Like he's 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 unbelievable, man. But his 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 just his wisdom, man, his 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 how presentable he is as a player, as a celebrity, as you know, as a public figure public figure, it's it's embarrassing and it's it's a very bad look for him, for his team, for, for even the league, man. It's 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 very odd. It's very odd and it's just not a good look, you know what I mean? And I think it's important to stress that the Brooklyn Nets have not been able to get out of these dramatic players that they keep signing on to. Yeah, but... They got Kyrie and they got Harden. And they had Katie and like, wow, okay, surely championship winners. Now, nah, Harden left. We got Ben Simmons. Yeah, man, all ben four players, man, they're all Simmons. drama queens. Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, KD, James Harden. The biggest four drama queens in the league have all been wearing a Brooklyn Nets like jersey in the past year. It's it's I, I'm really feeling like stuff, man. Like get, get Ben up for Brooklyn, man. Simmons, bro. This guy had the option to play against Philly during the playoff series and said, "Nah, I got a bad back." Like, no, you don't, my boy. No, Here's no, that's not what he said. Good. He that's not what he said. He said that his mental health is so bad that it's hurting his back. I, man, that's an. I is that even possible? Like, like I, I that's I don't even know. That's it's so like he said it was. If there's a doctor, if there's a doctor, it was such authority. Oh my god! Such a, I, I hope so, man. We're gonna get some doctors up in here on this podcast. But somebody needs to confirm if this is possible or not. No, please. but he said it's such authority that I was like, like I was like, am I crazy or is that or is he crazy? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. He said it with such confidence. Like, yeah, no, this is a serious issue. I'm like, no, you're supposed to keep, you're afraid of the Philly fans. No man, because listen, man, Philly fans and Boston fans, man, they are ruthless, man. They are a different they, breed. Bo- like they're just that that blue collar class fan base, man. They are, they are like if you if you screw up the slightest, man, they will be out to get you. They will, like don't 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 mess with Philly fans and do not mess with Boston fans, man. Of any sport, of any fans, those two cities, man. Just get away. You do not mess with 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 sport fans there. They will end your life. You know they they're brutal. They're they're ruthless, man. They're ruthless. Don't don't like don't mess with them. They they will literally like they will, they'll come for you. They will come for you. It's bad. But so we were talking a minute ago about the, the Brooklyn Nets and you know how their lack of success. I think it's two things. I think it's poor coaching. I I, I think it's I, yeah, I, 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 hear think, that. I I think people people underestimate like how 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 big of a like a, a role coaching plays. And Steve Kerr, as great as he play, a player that he was, and as 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 high as his basketball IQ is. He just doesn't have that much coaching experience, and so when you're when you have a roster like that 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 is that has not like very serious championship like aspirations, you need a very experienced coach, and I just don't know if Steve Nash is up to to the task just yet. I agree. No, I don't think. I think they gave him keys to a car that's too big, and they told him to drive it. And I don't think he has what it takes yet. Maybe in the future he does, 
but I think it's a lot similar to soccer as well, where you have someone who's a really good player mm. who, when given the coaching role, it just doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That happens. I agree. That's mm-hmm. not something that, you know, anyone should blame Steve Kerr for. That's just how it is sometimes. And mm-hmm. it's just... Wait, Steve Kerr? Steve Nash. Steve Nash. Sorry, Steve Nash. Sorry, yeah, my yeah. bad. I apologize. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. I think it's important that he has to become aware that... Mm-hmm. Um, just or at least a lot of people in the league action general think more of that just because you're a good coach does not mean mm. or just because you're a good player does not mean the coaching role is immediately exactly, exactly. it should be set for you or should be something that you consider exactly. doing michael jordan was very 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 like i think he's the best player so i like in history so i think he's a very 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 good player but look like I, as an exec as 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 a coach he did he, he sucks. Like, I'm just being honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just equal, good player does not equal good leader, does not equal good coach, does not equal good executive. Magic Johnson was an, uh, you know, an, a top 10 player of all time. I think his time as the executive of the Los Angeles Lakers, I I wouldn't say he was the greatest. No, I Jay West, for example, Jay West was both a great executive and a great player, but it's just not a skill everybody has, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it, it's not something that, like, anyone should fault him for. Exactly. So a lot of people are just born with it. That's just... Exactly. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's all it is. Yeah. Well, speaking, you know, speaking of gifts, um, the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant, and, and James Harden, and the Los Angeles Lakers. I'd say excluding the catastrophe that went on yes, this year, the Lakers, I think that the reason the Brooklyn Nets aren't doing as good as they are, because remember, Kitty didn't, didn't play bad. Neither did Kyrie. It's just that, the Celtics played like a real team. They played like an experienced, developed deep team. And the Brooklyn Nets really played like two guys just trying to get points in. Like, you know, I, I don't know, how, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, I was thinking like, why is it that as amazing of a player Katie is, he just, his teams never find the same success as LeBron James's teams. And I mean like equal, equal, like everything else, like all being equal. You know what I mean? Like, if you have an equal roster, why is it that with LeBron James and Kyrie, they win a ring and KD and Kyrie, they can't even make it out the first round. Um, so I, you know what I think? I think that people like people understand sports in, a, in, a, in an odd way where they think it's all about like, they, they, they look at things like it's on paper. You know what I mean? Like, oh, KD, you know, his percentage is this and, oh, he's tall so he can defend. And like, it doesn't work that way because the reason that LeBron James is such a great player is because LeBron James makes everyone around him so much better. Like LeBron James can, you can give him so little and he can use it and and do so much. You know what I mean? He makes everyone, like he's, 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 He's a genius of a flow general, and I think KD, as good as a player he is, he's just not. He's not James. He's not like. He's not James, or he's not LeBron James in that way. He just can't. He doesn't elevate his team the way LeBron James does. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree for sure, and I think um, speaking on that point, I think if you want to talk about the Bucks for a second, mm-hmm. what happened, and I'll tell you exactly what I think happened. They did not re-sign PJ Tucker, and they they paid the consequences of that. I think Fitzgerald Tucker would have good would have been a good addition, but I don't think the reason they lost was because of Tucker. Because of Tucker, I, I, think, I that... think it's important because you have this roster that just won a championship with Tucker being an integral part of their defensive rotation and scheme, mm-hmm. and they said, ah, "I'm not going to give him the bag for it." Like, no, pay the man. Like, mm-hmm. and I think now Tucker's a very under player, yeah. And now he's doing great on the Heat. Now mm-hmm. he's a def- like now he's doing great on a very defensively strong Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. I just understand why there was 
and they needed Tucker in certain I don't think he was valued enough in, in, in oh, Milwaukee. Oh, 100%. Definitely wasn't valued enough in Milwaukee. And you need Tucker. You needed him to guard up players like mm. Jason Tatum or players like Jalen Brown in isolations. You didn't have him. You relied on Drew Holiday to control a lot of perimeter defense, which wasn't good, especially with Chris Middleton out. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I remember PG Tucker is like he's thirty-seven years old, man. He's old. He's thirty-seven, playing this well into his career. So, like, you got you got to give it to him, and he's he um he's doing really really well. Like, like, like I think I think yeah, I remember P- Tucker is only six-five, right? So. Yeah, yeah. He's not. He's not. He's not that tall, and he he's playing really good defense. He's guarding. He's guarding. He's really guarding people that like he should not be guarding. I remember like just last year in the playoffs, he was guarding KD. KD mm-hmm. not only like even like even if KD was a bad basketball player, which we obviously know he's not, just a six eleven offensive player has such. A, it's just at such a more disadvantage like advantage than a six five basketball mm-hmm. player. Like it's just. And you know, I, I wouldn't say PJ was, was really locking him down, but he was he was really holding his own defensively. You know, like he I he was he was like he was definitely like he was definitely slowing down Kitty. And I th- I think people don't respect um, Tuck's Tuck's defense or you know Tuck's basketball playing ability in general, especially this late in his career. I think I'm just saying that if it wasn't for PJ Tucker, that series probably wouldn't have needed to go into seven games. Mm. I think Brooklyn would have had it under wraps in mm-hmm. under seven for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's not because I'm saying that PJ like gave like KD the work or held him to like 20. Like no, KD went mm-hmm. crazy, but KD could have dropped way more mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Tucker. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. I t- I, I can't agree more. But so a couple questions to ask you. So, what are your thoughts on like what's so we talked about the problem with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, we talked about you know the current playoffs. What are your thoughts on um, the Los Angeles Lakers and what is the problem with their what what, what is lacking their success? Because I think the problem with the Lakers is that a lot of people are saying they're lacking athleticism, they're lacking young like they're lacking young age energy. Maybe that's the case, but I think the bigger problem is that they're they're like people think that you just add a bunch of good players on a team and boom, you're gonna you're gonna have a championship team. It doesn't work that way. Like chemistry, <coughs> sorry, forgive me. Mm-hmm. Chemistry is important. Like having a team that works together is very important. And I think the problem is that they're lacking shooters. You have yeah. three stars that need shooters around them and they don't have shooters around them. So it's like they're they're weak in that department. So what are your thoughts? I think um the shooters is definitely an important part. I think it's also that a lot of these players need to sit down with themselves and really think like, what role have I now taken? coming onto this Lakers team, knowing that LeBron James is a player on this Lakers team. Like, it's important to note that the average age of the Lakers is 30, from what I can find on this on this NBA website. It's 29.8. Wow. The average age of the Warriors is 27.9. That's only two years. I'm not, like, but one is in the conference finals and one, like, got nowhere near that. And so... The, obviously, there's an argument for age. Sure, I get that all the all your important players are getting old. But I want to point out two issues here. AD needed to step up, and he did not. They needed AD to take his own and to mm-hmm. become the force that they wanted him to be. He did not. Second, well, well, let's talk about Russ for a second. Russ. I was about to mention him, yeah. He did not stop, step up either. I think they, LeBron is a ball handler. Let's not, like, he 
like there's mm-hmm. uh, LeBron would w- want the offense to run through him, mm-hmm. and that makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you? You're LeBron James, mm-hmm. but then you have Russ, who his OKC days, also a ball handler. I don't know. I really don't know much about how he played with Chris Paul when they were on Houston together. Mm-hmm. But I know in his Washington days, a ball handler. So now I'm thinking we have LeBron and we have Russell Westbrook. And I want you guys both to equally share the ball without conflicting with each other. And I know both of you like to drive into the paint. So one of, and both of you are not very keen on shooting the three ball. Exactly. Now so figure why it out. we have both of them on the same team? And, and you're just telling them figure it out. Like, no, that's not, not going to happen. Like, who – you made a good point. Who is shooting on the Lakers? Who are you kicking out to? Nobody, Austin Reeves? Nobody, nobody, nobody. Austin Reeves? That's, that's the problem is that they, they 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 traded all important pieces away. They traded they traded players that could you – know you know what the Lakers really need? The Lakers need 3 and D guys. They need, they need, they need like, Danny Green-type players. They need, like, Spencer Dwindity-type players. They need players that could that – could, like, they need Joe Harris-type players. They need players that could shoot the three and still – be within the Lakers, like, defensive, well, I guess, I would say culture, but that culture has kind of, kind of gone, but the previous defensive culture that, that existed. I just have no idea why they were so hot to trade away Julius. Like, they got a chip out of AD, sure, that's good. But you traded away Randall, B.I., you traded away Kuzma for Westbrook. And Kuzma is thriving on Washington now. Kuzma is mm-hmm. killing it on Washington. Mm-hmm. You, like... I don't know if it's the LeBron effect or what it is, but a lot of these good players somehow bloomed after they left. And Caruso, Caruso, look how good he's doing in Chicago. Caruso's killing it. He's a huge part of their defensive rotation. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, and I maybe you can help me answer this. Why? What's the what's the deal here? I, I just I, I I think the way management approached it is the bigger the stars, the more the more star power, the more MVP level players we got on a team. The bigger, the better the team, but it's not. It doesn't work that way. Like, look at, look at, look at the Toronto Raptors. Shout out to my 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 home team. You know, a couple of years ago, we, the the reason we won the championship is not because we had five MVP players. It's because we had a deep, you know, like like roster with with good chemistry, and we and then we dropped a, a solid MVP player that fits in that roster, and we won. Look at the Brooklyn Nets. So they got they had they had Kyrie and Katie, nothing. They had. Kyrie, KD, James Harden, nothing. They had Kyrie, KD, and Bet Simmons, nothing. Look at the Lakers. They got they got LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, and Melo, nothing. I, you know, I'll throw Melo in there because I'd say I'd say he's he's he was they, a star. They I, definitely expected more out of Melo than he produced. I'll agree with you there. Yeah, I think like I mean like even look at the, look at the Clippers, man. Like just because you add a bunch of solid players and a team, or not solid. MVP level players on a team that does not mean that they're going to get you far. Look at the Miami Heat. Like what two years ago they were in the finals. They're in the conference finals right now, and it's very, they have a very good chance of making the finals again. And their team, their the the problem, like the thing that's making that team excel is not that they have five. They have no. I don't think they have any MVP level players. I don't. I would not say Jimmy Butler is an MVP level player. Mm-hmm. I would not say Kyle Lowry or like nobody like. Nobody on that team is an MVP level player, but they're a team that is deep that that work, meshes together, and I think it's a team that's going to go far. I think, and I'm happy you mentioned the uh, the Raptors. It's not that it was Kawhi that won it; it's that everyone accepted that I am just a piece of a bigger puzzle, and I'm going to serve my role and I'm going to serve it very well. Mm-hmm. 
and I trust that the rest of my players will serve their, their role mm-hmm. to just a high, to an equal high caliber. Mm-hmm. And that's all that's you need. Really special about yeah. So go ahead. And that's all you need. Like you had Pascal Siakam before he really blew up, although he was just still doing fine. Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. You had these guys who were like, okay, I'm not the star of the show, but I'll make sure that whoever the star of the show is, if they even had one, you definitely make there. There's definitely been arguments to say Kawhi wasn't really the core of the Raptors, which I can hear for. Even if there was, let's assume that there was a star and that was Kawhi. They did all they can to make Kawhi's job easier. Mm-hmm. And they excelled because they did that. Mm-hmm. There was no reason why they should have beat the Bucks. Mm-hmm. No reason why they should have beat Philly. But they mm-hmm. still did. Mm-hmm. And that's because everyone gave up themselves and their own personal goals that this mm-hmm. is playoff basketball. This is no longer an MVP mm-hmm. race. This is no longer a scoring race. This is just my team needs a chip. And they went and got one. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And and the special thing about the Raptors, people don't really appreciate, is that the Raptors, like, there's, there all the weight is, I'd say, very equally superior on all the players. Like, there's no, there is no one star carrying all the load. There is no Luka Doncic, like, LeBron James carrying, the, carrying his whole team. Every player, and that's why, for example, the, the Raptors will continue to have roster changes and they could still perform, they would still perform equally the same, is that, the Raptors, every player, like if you even look at like not too long ago, I was looking at this and I think they like had like what is it like the five players on the Raptors are averaging over twenty points or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. It's because everyone, everyone's contributing, and so when 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 one piece is dropped or when one piece is added, the late like that team is still a very solid team. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. But instead, you had guys like Russ and LeBron whose playoff styles butt heads automatically, direct conflict. So neither of them, and obviously LeBron still killed that. Don't ask me how. This guy has to have like some kind of time machine on him or something. And he still dropped an insane amount of points and mm-hmm. great stats. But Russ like became a shell of what he was in Oklahoma or in Washington. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, what do you do with Russ? Do you sell him? Do you tell him that he has to play as a bench leader? And do you really think Russell Westbrook is going to be bench? Do you think he's going to like no. have the humility to do that? Of course not. So you have to ask yourself, do I sell? Do I blow up this entire team and just try to rebuild? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Frank Vogel, or not Frank Vogel, I think that's where the head office has to look now. I think I have to sell my players mm-hmm. and rebuild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think I think Russ has to go. I think I I just don't I I, I just don't see I I just I I don't see an environment where where Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James can. Can can because really wondering. I think I think LeBron. I, I think LeBron James and Anthony Davis. There's still hope in them. I think Russ players like Russell Westbrook and James Harden. They're just, they're just not who their who who their former self was. I just don't. I don't think that. I, I I think that's it for them. I think I I I think that very soon, they're gonna be retiring and they're gonna be turning into a mellow where they're gonna have to just accept that they're no longer the MVP players that the MVP level like players that they used to be. And I. I I don't think Russ is accepting that, but I, I think it's it's the truth, you know. Yeah. But I I wanna I can't understand why Russ couldn't just like some humility, just accept it. Look, man, I I used to judge him for a while, man, but I, you have to understand that I I think to to to, to achieve that level of competition, man. You do have to believe in yourself to an unbelievable amount, and I think mm-hmm. if Russell Westbrook didn't have the confidence that he has, he would have not been as successful as he is. But the problem is, at a certain point too, it's important to develop some humility and to understand your place, 
and mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think Russ is doing that enough. I just think he just refuses to. And you know what really bugs me about Russ, man, is that when he says stupid things like "I'm already a champion in life, I don't need to be a champion in the NBA." What? So what are you doing here? So you're every every play. I can bet you every player in the NBA is playing to win a ring. So if you're playing to be a champion in life, so like retire. Why are you here? You know. I see. But uh, yeah, I think we're we're just passing the one hour mark. I mm-hmm. think I don't want to bore our listeners. I want you know for too long. But I think I just want to say it was pretty, a this podcast like, is uh, going to be very fruitful. Oh, it's going to be very fruitful. I can tell. Um, I, I just want to say, George, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, you know, we had some very you know solid discussion, and hopefully, we'll have you go have you on again. You know, sometime in the future. And uh, thanks so much for, like for your time. Oh, no, man. It was my pleasure. I appreciate it. I can't wait to be back on here as soon as I can be. All right. I'll see you guys um, at our next installment of Tadros Talks. And uh, see you guys later.